If you have the desire to write, draw, paint, perform, speak or act, right now it might feel like a hobby or something that you used to do. But I want you to uncover that creative gift and bring it back to life. This is about honoring your creativity, making space for it in your life and overcoming resistance to creating. If you're ready to unlock your own creativity to find ultimate soul restoration and life transformation, you're in the right place. I'm your girl. Grab your pen or your paints. Let's go. Before we get into the content, I want to let you know I have a couple of mentorship sessions for March available. If you're an aspiring creative, or maybe someone who used to write and you've lost it, or you're just really unsure with how to get started with a creative outlet, whether that be painting, crafting, writing, singing, dancing, whatever that is, I would love to be your mentor through this process. Together, we can discover what that creativity is that is begging to be unlocked, or how to make time and space for it, or rediscover it. Email me, hello at theunlockedcreative.com and we'll get it set up for you. I am so excited to work with you. Today I have special guest Esther Krogdahl, who speaks about choosing to create when you can. From software and game design to writing, Esther spoke with me about making time to create and the value of being able to move between projects. Without further ado, here's Esther. Esther, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little about your creative background and how you came to write your gorgeous book, which we'll talk about very soon? I can't say I have too much of a creative background. I was one of those people that really didn't see myself as creative at all. So I really found out about writing and how much I enjoyed it kind of late in the show, I started writing a adult supernatural suspense novel called Eternally Ruthless. And I really enjoyed that process and got lots of good feedback about it. And then I went on to have a child and became very inspired by her and had a lot less time, a lot less than is needed to write a novel and decided I would try my hand at children's books. And so that's, yeah, that's how it all happened. Can you tell me what creativity means to you? Um, I've never seen myself as creative. I've been surrounded by creative people. I, I saw creativity as being a very certain and specific thing. Growing up, my sister was always very good at drawing and painting. And so I was, you know, I would think, well, that's creative. You know, I was more kind of science-based. I work in software engineering at the moment and and studied sciences So I compared myself to her and thought, okay, well, I'm not creative at all. But as I started to try writing a little bit more and moving into that space, I did realise, well, actually, I am creative and what I do for my job is quite creative, really. I started as a software developer and a lot of people assume that development is uh, and programming is very rigid and Um, there's only kind of one way to do something. It's very black and white, but it's not. It's actually very much about designing a product or a system or a piece of software. And yeah, you do. You tend to be quite creative in the process of, of coming up with a solution. So after I figured that out, I did, um, realize that, yeah, I am quite creative and 
I think everyone is creative in their own way. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, I think with your software engineering background, certainly you'd be dealing with, like you said, you know, you'd have to be thinking about solutions to problems. So that would have been creative. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Could you tell us a bit about how you have developed mobile games? Mm -hmm. How did that start and what got you interested in doing that and what does it involve? Um. So I am but a a cog in the machine of developing mobile games. So I worked for a company that developed mobile apps and games for for clients. Uh, I actually got into that because, as I mentioned, I have a software development background but had started writing and was also a bit of a casual gamer. So tried to combine all of my passions together and started uh, submitting some applications to write for games, so doing some more sort of narrative design for games companies. And, yeah, got got into a few companies that way just as a bit of a side hustle, built up a bit of a resume, and then I ended up deciding that working in games was going to be my dream job and applied for a company that was in New Zealand got the job and ended up going over there. That company made games, mobile games mostly, and so I got to get some experience through through that. We made a bunch of games for kids and was very privileged to have Disney as one of our main clients. So, yeah, we got to make a bunch of games for, for Disney that were available at parks uh, and other spots. I was a combination of roles there, really. I was actually hired as pretty much a project manager, but ended up doing some game design and some narrative design and writing for games. You mentioned their dream job. Do you believe that there's a dream job for everybody? Yeah, I do. Uh, that was absolutely my dream job. And I'm a bit spoiled now. I, I've moved back to Australia now and, and have a proper job. But it it will never compare, nothing I will ever do will compare to that job because it really was my dream job. It was wonderful. I'm so glad you found it. It's amazing because it's also led us to be able to start talking about Grumbelina, your book. Yeah, thank you. It's true. <laughs> it really led me on a path to, to writing and publishing Grumbelina. I must ask you, how do you feel about the word grumble? <laughs> I love the word grumble. It's fun to say. It is fun to say. Mm. And I think uh, it accurately, it sort of yeah has a feeling about it which accurately describes its meaning. Yes. I mean, a grumble. What do they call that, onomatopoeia? Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so can you please tell us about your book, Grumbelina? What is the story about? Uh, so Grumbelina is a picture book and it's about a little girl named Hazel which just so happens to be my daughter's name. And Hazel, at about three and a half years old, uh, becomes quite grumpy out of the blue. And uh, she transforms into Grumbelina, who is a very grumbly, grumpy child who has some pretty hilarious demands of her parents. And the story is about uh, her transformation and her parents trying to roll with the punches Uh, while having a little bit of a giggle at her expense. Something most parents can relate to, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's from real life, so absolutely. 
Did you write full-time or were you working on other projects at the same time? I've never really quit my day job in IT. I started writing for games as a bit of a side hustle when I was on maternity leave. So I'm one of these people, I'm a bit of a shark, I kind of can't stop moving. Um, And so when I was forced to stop working, uh, I, I sort of found other things to fill fill the gaps and yeah and that's when I started writing for games which then became writing for children once Hazel was born but I was always I was always doing sort of a paid job other than writing. Did you experience any challenges while writing Grumbelina? Not so much with Grumbelina because I think that was something that was easy to write kind of poured out of me because it was from my own experience Um, so I did that quite quickly. I guess all of the challenges around Grumbelina were mostly involved with the publishing process and, um, waiting for publishers, you know, first of all, submitting to publishers and waiting to find out if you've got a a deal or a chance or not. Um, and then once a publisher picked it up, uh, working with their editors and, and, um, and waiting for them to get back to you on how things should be or what's going to happen next. But aside from that, my own process of writing the book was quite easy. Uh, But I think it really depends on what kind of story you're writing. If it's something that's not as close to home, you know, there's probably going to be more challenges about getting the right voice or whatnot. Grumbelina is told in rhyme, which is something many picture book writers are told not to do because it's just so difficult to get it right and to get it to come together. But you've done that hard thing. So how did this rhyme come to you? I've, yeah, I've always been a sucker for children's books in rhyme. You know, the likes of uh, Julia Donaldson, uh, yeah, Pamela Allen, yeah, I've always really liked rhyming books for kids and so I really wanted to to give that a go. And, in fact, I think I find it harder not to rhyme when I'm writing children's books. It, it just kind of came out and it came out in rhyme, so I was lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So, I mean, because I'm sitting here thinking, you know, was the story in your mind this way before you wrote it down or as you wrote, did you feel the rhythm as you wrote? How did it manifest? I think one or two pages in, there's a, um, there's a paragraph that talks about Hazel, you know, there was a deep grumble from her gut. She balled her hand, hands shut. There was, there was kind of like something, there was one piece of the book that kind of came to me on its own. That was a rhyming piece. And then I I sort of built around that. So that little rhyme in my head was really catchy and felt really good. Uh, and then even though that wasn't the start of the book, I kind of built around that and then just matched that pattern of, of rhyming. What would your tips be for anybody who wants to write, who has this deep desire to write again or to simply start writing? How do you do it? Yeah, it's one of those things where you've just got to get started, right? Like you can procrastinate forever or make excuses um, forever, but you've just really got to do it. And it's kind of like the way I look at writing is it's like a job. It's like an industry job. You know, if you wanted to get a job doing something, you would need to practice. 
you'd probably want to get some work experience so that when you approached that job, you had a better chance of getting in. And I think writing's exactly the same. Like you're not going to write a masterpiece the first time that you write something unless you're very, very lucky and talented. Usually it requires a lot of practice and tweaking and seeing how this sounds. And, you know, my advice is just start doing that sooner rather than later. And you'll eventually kind of hone a craft and find your voice and your writing style. And then you're in a position where you can convince others that it's uh, it's good and worth publishing. Yes, just start. Just start. It's easier said than done, I think, in the minds of a lot of people. But I think part of it as well is that fear of what's going to come out. Mm-hmm. And that almost is a bit of, you know, perfectionism and all of that. I wanted to kind of explore with you how you stay inspired at the moment, it really is is Hazel. So I'm finding myself writing children's stories uh, more than anything else, although I am doing some adult stuff as well. But, yeah, I stay inspired by my daughter and the things she says and does, which make me laugh and think about stories that could come out of it. I guess there's an inspiration that comes from having been published. So, you know, somebody else believes in what I can achieve and produce so and then ultimately I I do love my day job but I do imagine myself as a 50 year old living in some beautiful country town staring out at the a field writing writing novels and books so uh, in order to get there and actually make a living out of out of writing I I need to continue to write and produce works that can be published so that's an inspiration as well as I said, my work is kind of creative in a way, but I actually started to try writing um, and writing my novel when I was extremely bored in a job. I was just bored and I didn't have any creative outlet and that's kind of what spurred this creative outlet. So yeah, I think it's good to do both, you know, do something that pays the bills or satisfies you in a non-creative way. Maybe it's in a scientific way or do something else that also supports that that might be creative. Can you tell us where we can find Grumbelina? Yeah, sure. It's in most bookstores across Australia. So Dimmicks, for example, Boffins, which I'm, I think is a Western Australian. It's in lots of on ta- uh, online retailers, so Book Depository, Amazon, Booktopia, those kinds of retailers online as well. And what's next for you? I have a few manuscripts with uh, Hatchet, who's my current publisher. I'm hoping they turn into something, although there is absolutely no guarantee there. I've written a couple of other things that I will probably submit to some other publishers and see how that goes. I'm also working on some some adult fiction as well. So I will continue to, to work my day job and, and write by night or of my spare time. Because I find it really enjoyable, right? Like it, you know, I may never publish another book, but that doesn't matter because it's still fun to write. Oh, beautiful. Is there anything that you'd like to mention that I haven't asked you yet? I don't think so. Um, you can find me on socials at Esther Crogdale Author on Instagram or Facebook. I do have a blog that is not fantastically maintained called Poorly Drawn poorly-drawn.com and there are some musings on there about publishing and writing and also some really terribly drawn 
uh, freehand drawn MS Paint pictures of people and things. So, <laughs> yes, if that tickles your fancy. <laughs> Beautiful. Everybody go and check it out. And I'll have all the details in the show notes as well. So, Esther, I've had an absolute blast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. And that was Esther Crogdale, author of Grumbelina. I hope you've loved today's episode as much as I have. Till we meet again, same time next week, take care.